Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers with whatever writing ailments you might have. Whether it's related to your craft or your career, we can help. Are you ready for your session? The The doctors doctors are are in. in. So today we are talking about something that has kind of taken entertainment by storm, and it's a little controversial, artificial intelligence in entertainment. Yeah, it's uh, in the news again. It it seems to come, well, it it comes and goes and comes and goes. I remember um, in 2001, the Final Fantasy, they did a feature-length movie uh, called The Spirits Within, and they had... um, uh, full CGI actors, basically, mm-hmm. uh, computer generated movie. But, you know, everyone said, this is it. They're, they're never going to have actors in films again. They're all going to be computer generated. And of course that didn't happen. But today, it, you know, they're still doing, you know, CG movies and CG. Um, uh, they're replacing characters in movies. So when, when artificial intelligence, I guess, is, you know, what part of that is artificially intelligent? Well, first, let's start with defining what is artificial intelligence. Um, According to Builtin.com, artificial intelligence, or AI, so we'll probably just call it AI from here on out, is a wide-ranging branch of computer science concerned with building smart machines capable of performing tasks that typically require human intelligence. So it actually goes all the way back to the 1950s. I didn't know that. Starting with the question of, can computers think? And Uh that's what AI is. It's basically, can computers think like humans can? And can we yeah. put them in those tasks to kind of free up humans for other things, I guess, or something? Yeah, and, and I feel like that's kind of, you know, what Hollywood does is it, it tries to replace people in the workflow with computers. It's, it's done it for decades, you know, ever since they started. Well, with that's, any, that's any industry trying to replace well, humans true. in the workflow. Absolutely. But I mean, even since um, Final Draft came out and that was in 1995, Mm -hmm. you know, that made, you know, things a lot easier and you you didn't have to spend so much time on the physical process of typing, you know, scripts. I'm sure there were a lot of people who lost jobs for uh, script typists (laughs) when that happened. (laughs) I actually have a a freelance client who had me working on a project for uh, a company that's doing, they basically take audio um, from people and put it into an artificially intelligent computer and analyzes the audio. And then it can recreate that voice saying like anything. And it, you can't tell the difference, you know, whether it's, it's the original person or if it's, you know, a, a generated thing, you know, literally if you had this technology, you could have, you know, if you had enough actor audio of a, of a particular actor, you could, you know, create a realistic audio performance by that person without them actually being there. Let's put a pin in that because I actually, there's an interesting um, phenomenon happening right now in the industry that I wonder if it'll eventually tie into AI and ethics. So we'll put a pin in that particular part of this conversation. But I mean, you're seeing it everywhere, honestly. Like, you know, we've talked a little bit on the show about AI actors. Uh, There's an AI actor that we just found out about who's got like, what, 3 million followers and she signed to like one of the top agencies. You know, AI is used to write scripts and songs. Um, I'm an audiobook narrator. And, you know, my my mentor actually is like, she's, she goes, it's coming. Give it like 10, 15 years and they're going to do AI narrators. They already are. But there are some drawbacks to having an AI script or an AI song or even, I would argue, an AI actor. Well, yeah, I watch a lot of YouTube these days. And there's quite a few uh, videos now that use... Um 
I don't know if it's AI, but they're using computer generated uh, narration. And I don't know if that's being just, you know, them taking their script and having, you know, just text to speech read it, or if there is a, you know, some sort of built in function somewhere, like you put a video into a system and it listens to the video and generates the narration for you. I'm sure there's something like that. Oh, I've heard those. They sound but they're, horrible. They sound horrible. They're too stilted. Um, and, and I immediately turn them off when I hear them. I'm like, I can't listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we had a little bit of fun doing the research for this show. Tom found an, a website that you could do an AI song. And we both put in the subject of cats. We got different lyrics. But one thing that was interesting, and this is something I mentioned to you off podcast, it follows the formula. It's not a good song, but it follows the formula. And I would argue even with scripts, like uh, that one that you sent me, we can put in the show notes. I forgot the name of it. Uh, Sunspring? I I don't remember. Whatever it was you sent me. (laughs) I started watching it and I couldn't get into it because the language was so stilted. But it followed the formula. Yeah, Sunspring you know? was a was the AI written short film a few years back that it freaked all the writers in Hollywood out. But it was kind of a horrible film. But it kind of got like a little cult following that it was kind of like not so bad. It's good kind of thing, but just so it's so a you know kind of a weird dialogue, weird structure. Yeah, that it's kind of interesting to watch. Yeah, and kind of scary to watch. <laughs> I mean, I think the issue is. You know, I get why they would want it. Yes, it saves money. It saves time. But at the same time, what it's missing is that human element. I mean, it is the human experience and that heart behind it. So, yeah, you can have a formulaic script, but you don't have, you know, AI, unless you somehow program it, is not going to know what it's like growing up poor and, you know, on the streets of Detroit or something like that. You know, like it it won't have that kind of heart behind it. Mm -hmm. And when it does, that's when we're in trouble. Yeah, otherwise, it's just kind of like I found one um, uh, plot generator, script generator um, website online that is almost like a Mad Libs. And you fill out all these little you know boxes of your character and the, the locations and the situation. And, and then it, it actually spit out like, I don't know, a five page script for this film on a, you know, what's the, some kind of weird monster thing. But it's, it doesn't exactly make sense. You can. And that's the whole point of Mad Libs. Mad Libs are funny because you throw in random words and it comes out funny. Until the formula behind it understands, you know, the the purpose for things and the context of things, it can't actually produce something that makes sense. That, you know, so it doesn't have that, you know, logical structure yet. I mean, what do you think? How do you How do you feel about it all? Well, I think it's all very interesting. I mean, the first, you know, I'm trying to work on a script now and, you know, the first draft is always the hardest thing. And I feel like if I could just like talk for like a half hour about the story, about the script, about the characters and have a computer grind it all up and say, oh, this is what you're trying to get at and spit out like the first draft. And I'd be like, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. You know, it, it kind of would take the um, that first round of garbage draft off of my brain and give me something to start rewriting on. Because I don't know, I know about you, but I actually think rewriting is more fun than writing. The first draft is always the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you had something, you know, rough that you could polish instead of having to kind of fight through that whole thing, like spend weeks or whatever, you know, writing that first draft. And if you could have it in like five minutes and then start rewriting, that would be a huge time savings and a lot, of less, a lot less stress. But here's a question. Would you use that program if it meant you had to share credit? 
Right. Who who owns that? Who's who gets the story credit then? Who gets the mm-hmm. writing credit? Because you obviously didn't write the whole thing. At least, you know, you'd be partially responsible for it. I mean, like, would it be like you buy this AI program and you get a license for a year or is it they get a cut of every thing you write or every song you make or every film or whatever? That That's an yeah, interesting I don't question. Know. I There's don't know if they really discuss are that some, one. Yeah, there are some other... Um, story idea programs, uh, which I haven't really used, but I've heard about them where they help you organize your ideas and they do it in like a question and answer kind of scenario. So, you know, these go back to just regular old word documents. Like when you're building character profiles, asking you questions about your character to help, you know, help you understand it more. So if it's a computer doing it, that's now artificially intelligent, but you have to feed it the information to start with. That would be more like an assistant, though. That's like using Siri or something in a way. That's true. Uh, um, Assistants, you can call it an assistant, but a lot of assistants have artificial intelligence already. I mean, that's what Siri is. Siri's listening to your question and trying to give you an answer. And the fact that it's still a developing technology is why you get such weird responses sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. People have a lot of fun asking Siri weird questions. I'll do that sometimes when I'm bored. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what I can get her to say. I mean, it's as simple as uh, like dictation software, you know, not understanding they, their, their kind of thing mm-hmm. and having to go back and correct that. Um, it has to understand the full sentence to understand, you know, the context to understand which version of that word you're using. Or just understanding the context of the sentence to understand the words you're using and make sure, you know, it's not. You know, if you're using the word fish, but you're not talking about fishing, then it maybe the word is wish, not fish, that kind of thing. It just heard it wrong. Mm-hmm. So you're not averse to using AI writing software or something like that. What do you, how do you feel about CGI'd and AI'd actors? I, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, actors have um, a limited amount of time and resources to their, you know, available to them. And one of these things about that audio uh, voice thing I was reading about um, is that you could actually license your your likeness or your your voice to do endorsements without having to actually do the endorsement. I mean, you might want to approve what it's going to include, but you wouldn't have to actually go to a studio and do the recording because they would just program it and then you'd still get paid for it, but you wouldn't have to actually do it. I guess, you know, that's a question for kind of legality wise right now i think there's certain in the u.s at least there's certain rules about endorsements like if you endorse a product you actually actually have to use it if you just license out your voice to do that does that does that fall under the same rules would your fans feel cheated if they found out that you were endorsing products but not actually doing the endorsement I actually would have to argue with you. I don't believe you have to use the product to endorse it. It might depend on the product and on the contract, but that's like a whole nother thing. I do find it interesting that you are like all about the tech because I'm actually really hesitant. I mean, and I say that partly as an actor. So going back to the earlier part of the conversation, do you follow much about what's going on with the union, non-union stuff in terms of like acting, the acting world or probably not really? Only what you tell me. <laughs> Only what I tell you. Okay. So follow me through. This is, this is a little bit long, but I promise you it does have a point as far as how AI might eventually play into this. So when I first moved out here, I took this commercial class with a guy who basically made his fortune 
off of doing commercials in the 90s. And you could do that in the 90s because a lot of commercials were under SAG's jurisdiction. And how that works for people who aren't familiar with those contracts, basically when you do a SAG commercial, you get paid for being there on set for the day, and then you get paid residuals off of the run of the commercial. Most commercials are like a 13-week run. So you're getting paid, let's say, 500 bucks for being there on, the, on set on that day. And then you're getting paid like however many times they run that commercial in the 13 weeks. Let's say they run it a ton. You get like a thousand bucks. Woohoo. If they run it again for another 13 weeks, they have to renegotiate with you. If they shelve it and run it again in a year for another 13 weeks, they have to renegotiate with you. You get paid every time they run that commercial for the 13 weeks. Fast forward to where we are now in the 2010s and beyond. Non-union contracts have been taking over the commercial world. This is why SAG was getting so upset and why a lot of SAG commercial actors were getting so upset. Non-union says, well, we'll pay you for the day and we'll do a buyout. We're not going to pay you residuals for the commercial. So you get paid the 500 bucks for the day. They'll give you a $1,000 buyout. They'll run it for 13 weeks. Then maybe they want to run it for another 13 weeks. They don't have to pay you residuals on that. Maybe they shelve it for a year and then they run it again. They don't have to pay you for that. So people were getting upset about the money. But there's also a really interesting thing that's been coming up in non-union commercial contracts and in other contracts as well, like in voiceover and stuff like that. This is something my agent really hammered home with me. And it's the perpetuity clause. So what that means is with the SAG contracts, they have to keep coming back to you to say, hey, can we use this? Can we use this? Non-union contracts say, we're going to buy you out in perpetuity. We have your footage. So we can use it forever and we don't have to ask you again. That's what the in perpetuity is. We have it forever. We can do what we want with it. Now, nine times out of 10, my agent would tell me, it's probably not something to worry about. But what if like a bigger company buys out this, you know, whoever has your commercial footage and you become a big celebrity? Now they can say they have a celebrity endorsement, right? And use your commercial over and over and over and you're not getting paid. But what I wonder, if they have that perpetuity clause, What's to stop them from taking your image and your voice and putting you in another commercial of theirs? Ah, And that, yeah. worry, that worries me because the ethics of it, you don't know. Right. So artists, even writers, need to own their kind of their creative skill to be able to use their likeness and their words and their, you know, their voice. And read I, your contract. Yeah. Right. If, if I was under contract with a studio for, you know, uh, say I'm Bruce Willis and I've done Die Hard for, you know, gazillion years and they decide to do another Die Hard movie, but this time they're going to CG it and they're going to use this audio technology to do all the dialogue. Well, do they have to pay Bruce Willis this $10 million? Because they already have a contract with him, quote unquote, in perpetuity. Can they just recreate him? This, uh, this kind of came up when they started doing those holograms, too, with like Michael Jackson. Well, I, I'm not familiar. What happened? Well, they have this technology to recreate people from, uh, from 2D video as 3D holograms. And they didn't they have Michael Jackson perform somewhere? I mean, long after he was dead on stage as a hologram. Yeah, but I'm asking, was there a scandal attached to that? Because I don't recall. Oh, there, I don't know there was a scandal, but they okay. brought up a lot of questions, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, who owns the rights to your likeness and that kind of thing. And suddenly, you know, that was a programmed performance. So I don't know if it was done with motion capture, then, you know, putting the hologram over someone else doing the dancing or whatever. 
or if it was all generated based on footage he had previously done. It would, I don't know which way, you know, leans which way in the legal aspect, but mm-hmm. the idea is that if you can mimic someone's voice and likeness, can you uh, contract that? You know, you can contract an actor to work for you and say, okay, you're going to work this many days and you're going to do this script and, and whatever. But can you license someone's likeness and voice to then say, we're going to do, you know, five years of productions and you don't even have to show up? I mean, like on the surface, it sounds great. But at the same time, so for example, I know we had the whole Paul Walker thing and uh, Carrie Fisher thing. And I believe their estates gave permission. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually celebrity, if you're with an agent, you can tell your agency, I won't do nudity. I won't do tobacco commercials or something, you know. But if they CGI you, maybe they could make you naked on film, even Mm -hmm. if you always had a no nudity rider or they can have you smoking or something that you didn't want them to have you do. You have to you have to wonder about I mean, that's why I'm saying I'm sure there's going to be clauses and riders and stuff like that to overrule that. But like if you're dead and your estate doesn't care, Mm -hmm. you know. The thing goes one step beyond just looking like you, though. In the case of the um, audio software that I was uh, working on the project for, it actually can carry on a conversation, too. It's not just reading text and sounding like a person. I I guess I should have clarified that before. It can actually also, it has the AI to actually also carry on the conversation. So it would feel like real-time conversation, like you and me talking, but I'd be talking to, you know, Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden or whoever it was. And I wouldn't know that it wasn't them because they would respond based on all the recordings of all their conversations and understanding that what they said, being able to respond in the like way. So if you asked Joe Biden about his dog and he's like, oh, the dog's fine. He's back at the house now, you know, because it read the news stories about the dog biting someone in the White House and then being sent home to the, you know, uh, Delaware or wherever it was. That goes even now that that AI is becoming the actor, like it's actually doing the performance. So in the case of acting, it wouldn't be just using your likeness and using your voice. It would be having the computer do the acting. So it wouldn't even be someone doing motion capture even. It would just be all in the computer. Oh my gosh, but can you imagine the ethical ramifications of that as well? Oh, absolutely. You could yeah. you could have you could make uh have a, I mean with Mikuela, I guess is the CGI actress on Instagram with uh, 3 million followers. In her case, I don't know if she's done any video yet, but you know, she's actually out there influencing and getting paid to influence what if that's a real person that's replaced that i was you know it was interesting i was looking at that too and her amazing follower count and i thought again if you're gonna do ai actors like I, i mean i'm not trying to get all black mirror here but like what if you just create them all to look a certain way you know the the beauty of how acting is going right now is they're finally embracing all different ages, races, body types, things like that. Well, what if you just have a bunch of CGI people who all look perfect? No, you're right. If if you're saying that way, you would know that they weren't real because they look too perfect. 
Well, I'm just saying if you're like, let's have a whole movie of just CGI stock people. Oh, they could all look. I'm just saying, like, finally, we're getting to a place where we're accepting different body types. And that was a big thing in Hollywood for years. Right. Everyone looks so beautiful and perfect Mm -hmm. and untouchable. And now we're finally getting to a place of realism. Are you going to make realistic CGI people? Probably not. You can make them look like whatever you want, you know? True. So I'm just saying, I, I, I guess I kind of fall on this side of um, there's really got to be a lot of laws and, and things in place. Like one place I could maybe get behind it is if you were having a big crowd scene, like say Lord of the Rings, Helm's Deep scene, and you didn't want to pay or bring in a, a bazillion people. Fine. Do CGI background, you know, or whatever. But even then you're putting people out of work. Mm-hmm. That's maybe a place I could get into it. I mean, it's going to probably be more important for bigger celebrities, but what's to stop an average actor or an average Joe writer from signing away their likeness or their, you know, intelligence or something for these things? Mm-hmm. What if, what about the, going back to the replacement part of it, like you said, like people losing jobs. If mm-hmm. this, you know, McKella, you know, character, what if they had six of them and they all had their own personalities in the AI, they had their own looks and suddenly you're creating, you know, a friends like sitcom with no actors. It's all virtual actors. So you've basically, you don't even need a set or a crew. It's all computerized. You've, you've gotten rid of 90% of the production cost. <laughs> I mean, you've put the production cost in a different place. Because True. somebody has to create the characters, but I know what you're saying. Right. But once you've created the character, you know, they'll act 24 hours a day, seven days a week and never stop. I mean, and think of, so you're saving not just on the acting fees, but you're saving on crafty. You're saving on maybe if you had to, you know, bring them in from a different state. So you're saving on travel. You're saving on wardrobe. You're saving on makeup. With computer uh, generated um, video, um, like with the Mandalorian, have you seen how they they've been doing that? What they call it the volume, mm-hmm. where the entire set is virtual. In that case, you wouldn't even need to have the virtual set to put the actors in. You would just create the virtual environment that looks so real that you know they don't even need to, you know, fake it because it looks so real. So now you've created any location you want, any character you want, any you know. You can do time periods, you can do science fiction, you can create anything. And, you know, with with the resolution and the processing we have now. It's getting it's it's no longer a Polar Express, Tom Hanks, creepy people design. It's it's getting to be super, super realistic. You know, Carrie Fisher and what was the other one? Um, Paul Walker, Paul Walker. Those are the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, people could probably still figure that those were not them. But they're getting really close. So once you have, you know, a TV show that's entire cast is virtual, is, you know, is artificially intelligent and the CG is so real that you can't tell the difference. That's, I think, the the point at which, you know, a lot of Hollywood starts to freak out. I would also argue, not just from a... I'm I'm the Black Mirror person in this scenario. You're like the, yeah, tech! And I'm like, oh, boy. But... I would also argue this is just 
CGI actors now, but I guess it would also be CGI writer or CGI, but AI writers. There's a question of legacy. You know, mm. I mean, part of being human is that we live, we experience life and we die. And whatever we did while we were on Earth, that is our legacy. And it does not, it's carried on, but we don't keep doing stuff. You know what I mean? So Carrie Fisher did the original Star Wars and, you know, her other movies and she wrote some books. And that's her legacy. And I would actually be really disturbed. I, I understand she was in the midst of filming when they did, what was it, uh, Last, Last Jedi? That was the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I understand she was in the middle of filming that. And so, yeah, they wanted to finish out. But if they do another trilogy and she's in it, I would find that really disturbing because I know at a gut level, she's no longer with us, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. In some ways, you know, we miss our favorite actors or celebrities and it'd be great if they could come back. It's kind of like the, the hologram thing. Like um, they talked about doing a, a concert with Prince after he had died as the hologram. You know, we all want that last time to see that person or that celebrity perform. But you know, it's kind of the um, the old saying, because we die, it makes life, you know, have value. So mm-hmm. if if you just continue somebody's existence virtually through AI and CG, does that cheapen their actual existence? And nobody wants to be the person who does that, you know, to be you know called out for that. And and again, this business is also you know we talk about well, when we write is also about the emotions of, you know, what our lives have been and what we've been through. And that comes out in our stories. I wouldn't want to see a movie that was written by something that didn't have that feeling, like you said earlier, didn't have that experience to, to be real. I mean, it's kind of even just like when you have somebody who writes a story that they have no experience about in their own lives, unless they do the research, they're not going to really capture the essence of that story. It's the same with artificially generated, you know, stories and scripts and characters. You know, can they really perform, you know, authentically? I don't know. I mean, would yeah. you pay to see a feature film with a CGI actor in the lead? That's the question is what if what if somebody came out with a movie and a, like a, a new actor or a new a new uh, show and didn't tell you that everything on it was CG, but you loved it? And suddenly everyone's trying to chase down who are these actors? You know, the, oh, I never heard of them before. What did they do before? But the the studio set up like a fake IMDb page or, you know, that kind of thing to create the persona. Actually, the um, uh, Al Pacino did a movie a, lot, a while back called uh, Simone, where he did that. And he was a producer who created an artificial actor and had to fake the whole thing. And it was a big scandal. And, you know, when it was revealed, how would that play out in the world? You know, what if what if that came to light that suddenly we found out that some of these actors or some of these shows we like, none of it's real. I think ethically they would have to disclose somewhere that it's a uh, it's a CGI character. Just like if you were talking to Joe Biden, you write like you were saying the AI voice thing. I think they have to disclose somewhere that it's not really him and he's not authorized to make decisions of state. Or, you know <laughs> right. what I- because you could sure. really, you could really get into a lot of trouble. And I mean, you know, it sounds cool, but at the same time, like you know, for any of you out there who listen who aren't entrenched in Hollywood, how would you feel if a AI person took over your job? Like I wouldn't like it. I'm you know, it's already tough enough out here and now you're giving an AI job or you're giving a acting job to an AI, you know, mm-hmm. when I've been trying for how long? 
I wouldn't like it. And I, I would argue that anyone in any industry wouldn't like it either. How would you feel if you had an AI manager when you've been working for this company for 30 years? Mm-hmm. You know, it, you wouldn't like it. And, and it, it is already happening in, in, real, in the real world, with, uh, in journalism especially. They've got AI crafting news stories. Some people have already gone through what you're saying. Which, which outlets? I didn't know that. Uh, Bloomberg has a, a, a system. Um, I'm trying to think. Washington Post has a system. Forbes has a system. They basically take you know any kind of news story that's based on data or formulas like sports, weather, and finances mainly, and it can generate reports based on mm. that because it knows the structure. This stock went up this percentage today, reacting on this information from the Fed, and you know, and this player hit this many home runs, which is their X you know record. All those things can be data driven and formulaic. So those are they're writing robots, basically. But when it comes to like say a sports feature article, that would not be AI, correct? That would be much more difficult. Yeah, yeah. You're getting into interviews and analysis and and uh, human and emotion, human emotions, and, yeah, and behind the scenes intrigue and stuff like that. Those things definitely take a little more, you know, nuance. Hmm. So where do you think it'll be in the future? It's always the with Hollywood, it's always the sky is falling all the time. So and like I said, that that one movie came out in 2001. And we, we you know, we have a lot of CG movies today, but we still we still use actors we, and, and uh, we still have live action movies. So I think I think it's a little overblown still. I, I think uh, especially writers, I, th- I think we're safe. I, I watched that Sunspring, that short film it was AI written. And, and it's, <laughs> I, I don't think we're in any. Uh, any uh, danger of uh, being shut out yet? Well, it comes down to money. I mean, screenwriters are literally uh, a dime a million in Hollywood, right? <laughs> <laughs> so why would you spend billions of dollars on the AI to write a movie when you can have, you know, the old a thousand monkeys in a room <laughs> typing away, eventually k- kicking out Shakespeare, right? That's basically where we're at. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty... That's a pretty fair assessment. I don't think it's a worry in our lifetime. I think it's something that will come up for the generations after us, like I'd say half a generation after. And I think they have to have a lot of like ethical discussions and legislature around it. Because, I mean, again, this is getting Black Mirror, but can you imagine if you created some sort of AI personality and like they suddenly became a diva? You'd be like, dude, I created you, you know, I, I mean, uh, you, you, it's one of those you really got to be careful or, you know, people already are so sick of reboots and, and retellings and whatnot, whatever. And if you end up writing a script by committee because it's based off a of formula and people are like, oh, my frickin word, that's even worse than when you were doing, you know, the millionth reboot of Party of Five or whatever. Like. They, yeah. they really there's some other things I think that need to happen before they rely on. AI to bring up Hollywood. Yeah. No, I mean, they've already done that and they're doing it all the time. The committee, you know, creation by committee kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So how could creation by AI be any better or worse? (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, what do you guys all think? Let us know. You can tweet at us at WG Therapy. You can also find us online at writersgrouptherapy.com. We'll put everything that we sourced in the show notes and we will talk to you guys again soon.